Hello there, my name is Jeff, and welcome to episode 68 of the Game Sharks podcast, where we talk about our favorite thing in the world, uh, New Girl. That's a TV show I've been watching lately. I like that show. Any of you ever watch New Girl? I've seen some of it. It's pretty funny. It is I think on I've seen my list. Yeah, I think I've seen the first season like six times. Why? Because <laughs> like every time I watch it, I start it over from the beginning and then never get anywhere with it. It's pretty good. I like the like the comedy formula they have of just all of the roommates screaming at each other over nonsensical things. Yeah. Like us. It's pretty good chemistry with Kinda the like cast. Us. Yeah, they do a good job. Apparently, according to Allison, they like ad lib a lot of that and just like I was gonna say free ball. That is not the right term. They <laughs> uh, improvise. They improvise. <laughs> yeah. Uh they improvise all of it. Uh so there's a lot of really good bloopers out there of them just feeling it out. But and video games. Joining me this week is Adam. Hello. Derek. Hello. And Andrew. My favorite blooper reel of all time is is uh Abed Batman from community. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> Are you uh, my uncle? <laughs> uh all right. We have a great episode for you this week. Uh we are in part two of our four part series. I think someone just started a jet engine outside my house. Sorry. I thought okay. I thought a video was playing on my headset. It sounded like the beginning of like a Resident Evil thing where it was like boom, but it's just a a car ah, really loud the classic game <laughs> did i did i hear that in real life or on my computer um <laughs> part two of our four part series where we're talking about the top 10 games of each decade today is 90s week so everyone get hyped for 90s week here on the game sharks podcast uh, we're going to talk about what we've been playing but let's start with some news we are fresh off the heels of watching the resident evil village or it's just the resident evil showcase uh, let's see what announcements did we get. They showed us more Resident Evil Village, which it's another one of those things where that game is you said three weeks out. I don't yep. need to see more. Just let me play the game. There is a demo coming where you can play for an hour. You can choose to play in the castle or in the village, and there is an eight-hour window where you can play this demo, which seems like a really weird thing to do. Uh, and no, that was the other demo. I thought that was there's, th- there's a demo coming out like. One, one, one's coming out May 1st. That's the one-hour demo. Okay. And then there's another demo coming out. I think the date's it's either this weekend or next week. That's the one that there's only an eight-hour window, and you can play for 30 minutes. It was very confusing. Yeah, that is very confusing. I don't know why they, they like, do that. They jumped from one right to the and other. And you said it was May 1st? That's six days before the game comes out. Yeah, the, the would... one-hour one comes out May 1st. Just wait, till you, wait for your game. How much hype do you need to build? Yeah, I, I don't know. Weird choice. Yeah, it's weird, but... Uh, let's see. They showed us a trailer of Resident Evil Infinite, Dar- Infinite Darkness, which is the Netflix show that's coming that stars Leon and Claire. Uh, we found out that it takes place six years after... Two years. Resident- 2002. Two years. 2006, that's right. Two years after Resident Evil 4 takes place. Uh, so the president is still Ashley Graham's father. Hopefully we see an Ashley Graham uh, appearance. That'd be really fun. So that's they said that's just coming later this year. I don't think they have a specific time. July twenty twenty one. Oh, that has a date. Okay. Um, and then they said they are in post production for the live action movie that they're doing. They're working on all the CGI for that. Ooh. Uh, and then the only other really big thing. Oh, they showed off a bunch of mercenaries mode for eight, which could be a fun multiplayer mode. Like 
extend the game past just playing the campaign. But, well, I don't think it was multiplayer. Yeah, I don't think it's multiplayer. I thought the newer mercenary modes you can do with more than one person. I don't I think they didn't specifically say for this one, though. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure historically in the last couple you've been able to do it with multiple people. But um, I just assumed that. Uh, and then lastly, something weird happened. So I, myself and Derek were watching on the, the Sony YouTube stream and Andrew was watching it on the IGN YouTube stream. And all of a sudden Andrew starts popping off about this Resident Evil 4 thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? The screen literally says pre-order now and like, it's over. Uh, apparently for some reason they didn't show this on the Sony stream, but on the IGN stream, they are making a fully first person VR remake of resident evil 4 uh exclusive to the oculus quest 2 which is a little sad to me because i only have the original oculus quest and i it's not worth upgrading to play just that game uh but yeah that's kind of really cool it's, one it's of not the resident evil 4 remake that we were expecting no so that's that was pretty gonna, cool nonetheless that's gonna be my question to you guys is this like the thing we were hearing rumors about and like there is no other resident evil 4 like full-on remake happening or do you think that's think still so. happening in the background i think I have a so feeling it's still happening yeah really i don't think that they would make two versions of the same game and not release them alongside each other so like like if they make if they make the full resident evil 4 remake is it going to be the third person over the shoulder or is it going to be the same as this just on you know not in vr no it would be because this is like the vr one is just old resident evil 4 that's there's no uprising or anything uh whereas like the rumors for the resident evil 4 remake it's going to be of the resident evil 2 and 3 remake caliber where it's like fully redone I hope so. I hope that version still is coming. But yeah. I personally, after this, I don't have high hopes. Mm. Yeah, there's no way of knowing. Um, it's I to me, it's a, a coin flip, a total toss up on whether it's still going to happen or not. None of you have Oculus Quest two, right? Nope. No. Yeah. So none of us will experience this. Uh, all right. Let's move on to. Another piece of news, Andrew, you added this. this is going to be a real quick topic. We have a couple quick topics in a row. Something about a Sonic Colors remastered. One, what is Sonic Colors? And two, why is it being remastered? It is it real? Um, yeah, it basically, you know, classic like, oh, this website got updated with a file for a certain game, you know. And so this this one comes from a German dubbing studio, uh, and apparently on its official site, it listed Sonic Colors remastered. Uh, Sonic Colors is the only good Sonic game that's come out in the last seven years. Um, I thought Mania so, was good. Besides that one. <laughs> 3D, uh, 3D Sonic. Yeah, 3D Sonic. Yeah, which I think you could say none of the 3D Sonics are good. Ever. Except for this one. Sonic Except Colors for, I guess, game. maybe Sonic, Sonic Colors. Yeah. Uh, so it's very interesting. If this is real, it's pretty interesting that instead of making a good Sonic 3D game, they just remastered the only good one. <laughs> um so that's it there's nothing really to talk about here if it if it exists it exists sonic colors i don't think needed to be remastered yeah but if you get a one of the better sonic games of recent memory into the hands of more gamers then that's cool yeah nice so i have a list here of the patch notes for uh the first ps5 
update that we've gotten. So we have some storage expansion and management. You can store PS5 games on external USB drives now, which is a nice oh, yes. little handy feature. Um, I did see that. Yep. That's pretty, it's pretty neat. Uh, so now there are also some new social features that we can do. You can cross generation share play. So you can use the share play feature across PS4 and PS5 now. Um, this means PS5 consoles users can let their friends on PS4 consoles view their game screen and even try out PS5 games through the, sh- the share play. Has anyone ever used the share play function? Uh, not on PS5. Okay. But I did stream. We, uh, I think sometime in March of last year, we played, uh, I tried to play Persona 5 Royal through that, and it was a pretty weird experience. Hmm. So I don't know how much better it is on PS5, but I don't think I'm going to figure it out. Uh, let's see. You can now request to join a game session, uh, which is similar. To, like It's the opposite of inviting someone, obviously. Uh, enhanced control and personalization options for PS5 consoles. They improved the game base. So the game base menu has been improved for quicker access to important content and features. You can now easily switch between parties and friends to start chatting with your existing parties to see what each of your online friends is up to. Uh, you can disable game chat and adjust individual players' volumes. Game update pre-download. Uh, you can customize your game library, which is cool. Uh, That's very cool. I will probably... Cool take a look at that yeah it, that'll be very very helpful for sure uh there's a screen zoom so like um uh what's the word i'm looking for uh you can zoom your so screen you, it's uh for, for like picture, accessibility picture. accessibility that was the word i was looking oh, for yeah. it's an accessibility feature and then new trophy setting and stats screen the level of trophies that result in automatic capture of screenshot and video clip can now be customized so i don't know if you know this but every time you unlock uh, a trophy the, the system automatically recorded the last is it yeah 30 seconds yeah. God. there was a lot did you see all of the clips from people getting trophies in demon souls and like and people being like yeah fuck you you know yeah, to the boss yeah because yeah, it so records funny. you through your controller it records too. your voice and everything yeah, yeah. that's a weird feature to have just automatically turned on and not tell people uh but yeah yeah. so a lot of these changes feel like they should have been in the system from launch but i think it's a lesser transgression on this front because the ps5 was already like a good console at launch yeah right like like at at a base level it it functioned the way it needed to and had pretty good you know mechanics and systems overall but like all of this stuff feels like what well, like why didn't they think of this before yeah so, is, is my thing that's i've been thinking about this a lot lately um and... this happened with the ps4 too right they added a lot of features yeah. after the fact i i think the hugest difference if we think back to like the 360 ps3 era is uh there's a lot of changes in how software development um and hardware development like happens and uh, like a big thing now is companies deliver the minimum viable product like when when something is made like software like hardware like that they just make what the the minimum they have to make to be able to satisfy customers at the get-go and then anything that isn't like all this stuff was probably in in their in their development and they were like all right if 
we do this, will it push us past November 21st? Yes. Okay. Put it in the backlog. We'll get it out in another update. Like that's, that's basically, I, I feel like that's what we're seeing more and more in the games industry now is games being delivered as a minimum viable product and then features <laughs> after yeah. <laughs> cyberpunk like for i think for systems it's okay but for games is where it gets kind of sketchy yeah games is a whole another you know thing and yeah. We yeah obviously talk to death about it um but the but with the with the ps5 it's like it's it's like i said it's like this stuff is all really cool and nice but it feels like it should have been there already but the ps5 was already good so it's kind of a whatever situation yeah yeah i mean it's nice to see these small quality of life updates like the absolutely the playstation better out better for, late than never yeah the playstation 5 has been out for what six months and they're already doing these nice little small things where the switch has been out for uh, <laughs> three four years four years and we still can't organize our games yeah <laughs> like, yeah so you got to give Sony some credit that they're actually I mean, like, doing these small it, adjustments that over time will amount to like a very different experience from Nintendo is also launch. 15 years behind every other developer. So that's true. Uh, so yeah, pretty cool. Even though it's a small set of small things, it's still cool to see who is ready for the LOLCU, the League of Legends cinematic <laughs> universe. Let's uh, do it. Cause it's happening. Uh, so Apparently, Riot has already begun recruiting staff for its live-action League of Legends cinematic universe. Oh, live-action. Yep. Uh, So, there's two new roles on the Riot Games career page. Global head of live-action TV and global head of live-action film. So, very obviously, like they're looking to start making live-action things. I'm sure we'll get netflix partnerships whatnot yeah because uh, i know they were doing animated stuff but like the live action is actually a bit of a surprise yeah i thought they'd stick to animation for a little bit because it's a little closer to home for them currently yeah it makes sense we did just get that animated dota show that people seem to really like uh so That's i don't fine. know if they're like all right well, we're gonna one-up dota again <laughs> live action um so yeah i think this could be really cool i'm excited about i, like, so. I think the league of legends world is really cool uh and there's like a lot of stories to be told a lot of different regions it's kind of like star wars where it's like this world of like different biomes and whatnot uh where you have the shadow isles which are like spooky ghost things and then you have demacia which is like the the army and like the war honor and justice yeah and then you have uh zon which is like experiments gone wrong yeah and piltover which is like technology used to better humans and so like and then shirima which is desert <laughs> so yeah there's a but lot of really cool different things where they can yeah, uh, and they have uh what 160 characters now there are more they're in the 150s there are more league champions than original kanto pokemon Jesus yeah, Christ. Uh, yeah, the league of legends lore has always been super interesting to me but i never in my life have wanted to take the time to read any of their lore stories yeah. so i think that if they explore that in film, it'll be a much easier way for myself and a lot of aspiring League of Legends fans, you know, to get into that. Uh, yeah. Like, so this is. The, I just hope that they don't go over their head with it because I think mm. Riot has a history sometimes of biting off more than they can chew. So I just want them to take their time, not rush it out. It seems like this is very early on. 
Uh, oh yeah, this so, is super early. We won't see this so, for, for like several years. years. Yeah, yeah, but would be super cool. Yeah, I agree. They should get Daisuke Suji to play Yasuo. Uh, so we had an indie direct yesterday. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they showed over twenty indie games, and I think. Most of them are not worth talking about. There wasn't anything of super no. I think uh, what we can do is each if there is a game individually that you want to talk about, uh, we can bring it up here. Uh, one one that I, there's a couple that I want to bring up first. Uh, the longing. Yeah, this is yes. the game that takes 400 days to play, real world time. <laughs> yes. That's what it says, but I feel like there's got to be some there's some kind of other mechanic that we obviously don't know about. Well, I, I mean the game's out, so I mean, yeah, people might be able to tell you about now so, where you like time speeds up. So they said the game is played in real time, but you won't have to play every day to see the ending. Uh, yeah, like, it's like a, a puzzle start. slash activity game. <laughs> That's how they yeah. describe it. Well, people have been playing Animal Crossing for 400 days, so it's true. Yeah, um, it's like part of me wanted to pick this up and just see what the fuck it is, but. I didn't do it, so maybe I will in the next week. I feel like if I don't do it in the next week, I was, I'm not doing it at all. I was I was tempted because it looks it's, it's an interesting concept of hey, start this game. But you're about a little bit little tiny shade dude whose king is like, hey, I'm gonna go take a nap for 400 days to regain my power. You hold down the fort, and then you're just stuck alone in this underground kingdom. Yeah. So here's what and, you do: buy it, play play for 30 minutes. Never touch it again. 400 days later, see what happens. Oh, that's the thing. You don't have <laughs> oh, to actively be playing. It just, well, supposedly, depending on what you do with your 400 days, you get different endings. Interesting. Because, like, you can, you know, have the shade, like, tidy up his living space. You can go explore things. There's going to be time-based puzzles. I'm assuming that means, like, hey, come back around noon for this puzzle to, you know, open it. This door will only open at, like, this particular time of day, so come back yeah. later. Or maybe it's more like, okay, this puzzle only exists from days 350 to 330, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, if you don't maybe do it in like, that time frame, it doesn't exist anymore. Or maybe, like, oh, to complete this question, you need to grow this flower, come back in 30 days, you know? like Yeah. It's it's an interesting it's a idea. Super, super cool concept, and I'm, I think I might do it. How much is it? What's the game it's fifteen called? bucks. It's, it's called the longing. It's fifteen bucks on Switch. I might. I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's it's just such a weird, cool concept. Um, yeah. we got some more footage of TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, yep. confirmed coming to yeah, Switch. That looks yep. cool. Coming to Switch, coming this year. Very excited about that. We're definitely gonna play that. Absolutely. Uh, and then the only other one that really caught my eye was at the very end, we got an announcement for a sequel to Oxenfree. We're getting Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals. I don't know if any mm-hmm. of you played Oxenfree. Nope, uh, did not. I thought it was a real cool game. Uh, Allison played it and I, liked it too. I think I own it. I've, I've never played it. I played it when I had the flu in February of 2019 or... I don't know if it was the flu. I was super, <laughs> super sick, and I remember just sitting in bed and beating it in like two sittings. Uh, it's yeah, really it's cool not game. A very long game. So uh, that is those are the things I'm excited the most about it. Was there anything else that caught any of your eyes in the indie showcase? It's like this was really indie, like a lot of stuff. You yeah, you'll never I didn't hear like, of again. I didn't get a chance to actually watch it, um, but from what I can see, nothing really catches my eye. Um, maybe the only one and only based on 
name recognition is Skull the Hero Slayer. I was going to say, do you recognize the name of that game? Because it looks like a Hollow Knight game. If yeah. you watch the trailer, it looks very Hollow Knight. Yeah, he so, definitely took uh, a lot of inspiration from things like Hollow Knight, it looks like. I mm. thought that game was already out. Is it? Maybe I, did, they, so did they just announce that it's coming to Switch? I thought it was already out on Switch. Definitely yeah, not. Definitely not. I don't know who I was watching. I thought I was watching. I watched someone play it on Switch. Like, I'm pretty sure. Did I watch? I thought yeah, I watched. No, it came out in January this year. On Switch? No. Oh, just no, in general? on PC. It must have been on PC then. Yeah. That I was watching. Hmm. That's why I recognized it then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. 84% on open. Yeah. I, I liked uh, as Aztec. Uh, Fallen of God, Gods, Forgotten Don't, Gods, Forgotten yeah, Gods. That I thought looked it looked pretty cool mm. for for an indie game. And then whatever the first game was, uh, Root was it like Route ninety nine or Road ninety six? Road ninety six. Yeah. I, I thought it looked pretty cool. I like those. Uh, it reminded me a lot of um, like Firewatch for okay. some reason. Yep. But more of a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the art style, I guess, maybe a Firewatch. Mm. Okay. I might pick that. I, I might pick that one up. That looked pretty cool. I think I'm gonna pick up the longing. Do it. I, I'm just so curious. It's it. so fucking weird. <laughs> uh, I'll download it during the break so I can play it a little bit tonight. Uh, all right. If no one has anything else they want to talk about, let's talk about the last piece of news for the week. Jason Schreier at it again. He, Breaking hearts. He uh, he posted a new article on Bloomberg titled "Sony's Obsession with Blockbusters is Stirring Unrest Within PlayStation Empire." Uh, basically, the summary of this is that Sony isn't really willing to back and fund some of their smaller studios because they seem to be so obsessed with putting out the blockbuster games like God of War, like The Last of Us, that they don't... Uh, it's kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Derek, where it's like there's a minimum profit level, and if they don't... Was that? Did you bring that up earlier, or were you talking minimum about minimum viable like, product? Yeah, very, kind of different. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Very different. Anyways, there's. It seems like there's like, there's people at the top who aren't thinking about the games as art as much as uh, like some other like Xbox is willing to like put invest money in in indie companies and like smaller games, whereas Sony's like, if this will not make us. Five fifty million dollars. It's not worth our time or money. Um, even if it is successful to some degree, they're not willing to put money in it unless it's going to be like raking in cash for them. That kind of is the general idea of this article. Yeah, at a certain point, you can't even guarantee that. So it just sounds like they're very unwilling to take a risk. Mm. Like they want to stick to those franchises that they know are going to be well. Yeah. Um, it's not even risks either, because from the examples used in Jason's article, you know, Days Gone, I believe, was pretty rocky at launch, but ended up turning into something good. But it's exactly like you said, Jeff, they're not seeing it as art. You know, they're doing it purely for profit. Yeah. And so they don't care if you make something that has a dedicated fan base that will eventually be good. They just want it to see immediate immediate results, which sucks. Mm. Um but a lot of people have reacted very negatively to this article and to Jason in particular. And I guess this is a, this is a trend where 
you know, people are shooting the messenger uh, and basically shit talking Jason Schreier for being the one to break the news on subjects that people don't agree with. Right. So apparently it happened. It happened before with uh, I don't remember the example. I think with the original No Man's Sky news or something. But th- with this, the example that he uses is that Sony rejected the pitch for Days Gone 2. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they thought uh, while Days Gone was profitable, it didn't make them as much money as they wanted. Exactly. So a lot of people who are fans of Days Gone got up in arms because Jason deconfirmed, quote-unquote, Days Gone 2, which is not at all what he said. He said that there was a pitch for Days Gone 2 and it got rejected. So that's not to say a Days Gone sequel isn't still in the works somewhere it's just that for this particular topic you know a pitch was rejected yeah uh so i had a weird feeling about this article in what way i found it very like clickbaity okay it seemed like 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 one i don't know a lot of it talked about what like the visual arts design team Right, that was mm-hmm. like a team specifically built. Uh, they were built to, as like a supporting like, team to their major studios. Right, and then they 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 pitched an idea and were maybe gonna be able to work on it, and then they decided to not let them work on it. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing, I don't know. I feel like the whole thing with like uh, Days Gone Two um, is like. Just because they, like, I feel like everyone assumes quickly, like, that they're like, oh, well, like, they don't care. They just want the money, right? Yeah. But I don't, like, who know? we don't know what goes on internally there. We don't know what the original pitch for Days Gone 1 was, was like. Maybe they didn't like the pitch for Days Gone 1, but they said, like, the team was like, no, let us do this. We promise it'll be really good. And then it wasn't that great. And... Uh, they came with the pitch for Days Gone 2, and they're like, "Look, this doesn't sound good." Like, people, I, the the problem with Days Gone that I, at least from what I like, people liked the game. People that played the game seemed to enjoy it. Um, but it's in a genre that seems to be beaten to death, hmm. right? Like they have, uh, like everyone was like, "It's just another zombie." Game. Like the, there's still all this buzz around Days Gone. Like, isn't it just another stupid zombie game that we've already played a thousand times? So I can see why, like, Sony would, the Sony execs would see, like, look, <laughs> this genre is played to death. We don't want to spend any more money. Like we have The Last of Us, which kind of like sits in that like zombie world. Like we don't need more of more of this. So maybe that you know, like. I think it's silly. Like, obviously, I think there's some other things that it's like, why are they making, why are they doing a, a remake of The Last of Us? That's, a, that's, that's a the whole other big part thing. of this article. That's but the then whole also, the article. what is the remake? Is it an actual physical remake, or is it just an uh, like another remaster from uh, like to up to PS5 standards? You know, like my guess it, is that's what it is because right. I don't so, I don't hold, understand. Hold on, hold on. Before we get into the, all the stuff about The Last of Us, because I feel like that is a whole separate conversation. Yeah, I, I, I want I want to finish the conversation we're having about like Sony not supporting smaller studios and smaller games. And I, and I think that the Last of Us remake news being broken further drives the point Jason is trying to make. In that, why 
are why the hell are they focusing time and resources and manpower into a Last of Us remake, a game which does not need to be remade. Yeah, a 2013 uh, game that holds up very well. One of the best games of the of ever of the last decade, especially. Uh, instead of you know working on new ideas, new IP, because you know one of the things that that Sony has always done that's rivaled the likes of Nintendo is having these super colorful, unique IP, uh, and and like just you know. Um, Yep. Nope, complete brain fart. Sorry. All right, I'll take over. So <laughs> take over. <laughs> it seems to me like Sony is starting to fall into the the Disney Marvel Star Wars trap where it's like play it safe, do the thing that we know is going to make a lot of money, but people are like going to be like, "Yeah, that was okay, but like, you know, it satisfied that itch." And it's like I it seems like they're not taking any risks anymore. I feel like we had the glory days of the PS4 where we got horizon we got the god of war remake and it's like all these really cool new interesting but things they like they made the even first at the end was Spider- ghost of tsushima yeah ghost of tsushima we got like the first cool spider-man game in a long time and like everything that we know about so far is god of war sequel horizon sequel there isn't a lot of like new interesting sony smaller things that sony's but putting their money into when when you look at their their studios that they own now like it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's like those studios, like Santa, was it Santa Monica? They want to make another God. Like they've revitalized this genre. Mm-hmm. They've changed it in a different way. They want to keep doing it. You know, Gorilla has developed. What did Gorilla make before Horizon Zero Dawn? They made Killzone. How many people are like, is Killzone a beloved game series? None. Yeah. That's the thing is they've like, they're, um, They've had these few studios that have now created like these beloved IPs that people really, really, really liked last generation, and they they want to take care. Like usually, when an IP, a new IP game came out, think about like when uh, Sucker Punch did Infamous. When like you got three games in a generation, we got one game from Santa Monica Studios last last gen. We got one game from gorilla we got and those games three, are, are blockbusters game, yeah two games from naughty dog like what i think is the difference you know infamous is a is smaller scale by comparison you know as opposed to the likes of, of horizon and god of war I, I mean but not not really it's just like i don't know i wouldn't say that ghost of tsushima is larger in scale than infamous second son which was a launch title for the ps4 like they're different projects, but like I wouldn't say they're one's a blockbuster and one wasn't. You know, uh, I think the re- like the reason the second you know the infamous game was made was because the first two infamous games were very successful, and they were like, all right, let's make a third one. But like, who knows? You know, I don't think there's not a fourth infamous game because the game didn't sell as well. The reception was as good. I I think that Sony is willing to give their studios a degree of freedom when they've proved they're able to develop quality games. Like, I I don't know if you know the track record of, of Ben Studios, but they just make ports. Mm-hmm. And they made S- Siphon Filter. Do you guys, you guys ever play Siphon Filter? Never. Do you have any idea what Siphon Filter is? Exactly. <laughs> so 
Days Gone was Ben Studio's first chance at a blockbuster title for Naughty or for Sony, and it didn't it didn't pan out. And so That's now the, the studio's thing, being re reorganized. I or, think it you know, did re- pan out, but it is, it seems that Sony's like it didn't make us enough money. Like it made them money, so like and that there is a like a fan base for that game. It's like it seems like they're going like full corporation like oh no if we're not making billions of dollars of profit like they don't have they're not if it's, willing, not, a, if it's not a 10 out of 10 we don't want it they're not willing to have the small things like xbox has the medium that's a that's a three out of five game for me but i'm happy that i got to play it sony would never make a game like that anymore it seems but but that's the thing is that microsoft didn't make the medium they just published it they don't okay. own blue they don't own bloober team i'm pretty sure yeah, but like, they funded it though. I think, right? Isn't yeah, like they the threw same some, thing? They, they threw some money at them. They made a weird game, and it came out, and it went away. Sony still does that. I just we don't know about those games because uh, we don't and identify them as Sony games because, like, like the only reason we're identifying, I think, some of these Xbox published games as Xbox games is because Xbox has never had exclusives. Mm. Where I like, I, I think if you were to dive deeper into like games published by Sony, it would like there would be more games under there than you would think. It's not just The Last of Us. It's not just Days Gone. It's not just Ghost of Tsushima. Like, there's a lot more there, but you don't see, you don't recognize the shit because no one cares about it. The only people, reason people care about Xbox shit is because before they only had they had nothing. Now they have shit and maybe some good stuff in the future. See, I don't know. Like, wh- where's where's anything from the Legend of Dragoon? That's a Sony franchise from the PlayStation One days. They will never like because put... it was a bad game, it, Jeff. It wasn't. <laughs> That's just not true. It was a solid JRPG that did unique, interesting things and told a cool story. <laughs> I don't know. I I see where you're coming from from some degree, Derek. But like, it's hard to <laughs> to not just see like. All right, let's let's start to talk about the Last of Us thing. So the idea being that, uh, they are gonna remake the Last of Us, which Andrew said is a game like a top game of all time that came out in the last decade, still playable today, and that's what Naughty Dog is working on right now. Apparently, they took it away from this smaller team and handed it to Naughty Dog. Why is Naughty Dog wasting their time making a Last of Us remake? So for I money. actually I read no I, so well maybe for money but two I read I so I found I read a article I think it was today that was basically saying Naughty Dog is having trouble coming up with their next game. Uh, okay. Let's see if I can find it. Um, Yeah, Naughty Dog's co-president says it's still struggling with multi-project development. So basically, it, like the whole thing was they have multi-projects, multiple projects in pre-production, and they're all just stuck there, like they can't move forward. Um, so I so feel it's, like because Naughty Dog only knows how to make one kind of game. It sounds like this remake is like we've got to make something here. We'll designate like we'll do the, we'll designate a small team to deal with this this remake or whatever, because we're, we're not moving in other directions or something like, I feel like that's such a dumb decision to make. And like, that's like the ultimate cop out. Oh, you know, that video game that everyone considers one of the best games of all time. We're having some creative struggles. Let's just, let's just make that game again. 
Like, come on. You just put out The Last of Us 2. There's a Last of Us remastered that came out in the last couple years. I've heard someone say, like, oh, maybe they're doing it and they're going to, like, have, like, Pedro Pascal and uh, what what's her face? Ramsey? Something Ramsey? Yeah, be it's Joel be and Ellie, and it's like the show instead of the game. Yeah, it's like why make a game that's the show right before the show? Co- like, why? I don't know. This just seems like such a dumb thing to do in my mind. I just can't. Yeah, yeah I just, I also just don't see the point of them not taking risks. You know, like the big blockbusters are going to make them a shit ton of money anyway. So, like, what are you doing with those resources? Working on the PlayStation Six, like PSVR two console just came out. Yeah, we have we've talked about it several times, but we haven't even touched our PS fives much since launch. Played Bug Snacks, played Spider Man, played Astros, all of those in the first two weeks. Uh, I play on my PS five all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I haven't played anything interesting. It's where I played it. it takes two. It's where I played Resident Evil Seven. But those aren't those aren't specific PlayStation things. Like you could, I could play both. Well, that's because that's because that's because nothing that's, has come out. Is my point. That's what I'm saying. Is like they're not doing anything, ex- like exclusive. That's interesting. You yeah, know? it's because so. nobody is nobody is really well, taking risks on those IP anymore. And we also just had a pandemic, which completely fucked up the release window. Like okay. we were supposed to have that's Returnal, Deathloop, Far Cry uh, Six. For uh, Horizon, likely could have been a launch title, at least launch window. Like that. There's a lot of things that I think fucked up the release of the PlayStation 5. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting article for sure. It's definitely a conversation piece. Uh, I'm sh- like, even as you can see here, people definitely have different opinions on what its meaning is. In the end, we're still going to get God of War 2. We're still going to get Horizon 2. We're going to get Spider-Man 3. We're going to get all these big if Sony Blockbusters. If the Last of Us remake comes out, I'll probably play it. And here's the yeah. thing. <laughs> we're all going to buy all of them. We're all going to love yeah. all of them. And that's... So, like, in the end, it's like, is it a bad thing? Like, I still watch every Marvel movie and, like, yeah, I enjoyed that, too. It's, like, always, like, that was good to amazing, you know? And if that's just what Sony is, that's why I bought a PlayStation is for those exact games, you know? So. It's very um, ironic that we're having this conversation in the same episode. We're talking about games from the 90s because the 90s is the <laughs> golden age of doing the weird experimental IP. <laughs> Truth. Fair. Uh, all righty. Let's talk about what we've been playing lately. That's all we got for news. Um, who wants to go first? Adam, do you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't have too much to talk about. Only big addition this week is I started picking up World of Warcraft Classic again. Okay. It, it oh, revitalized push because uh, the Burning Crusade is now in the beta, so that'll be releasing sometime this year for Classic. So my buddies are already in a guild, so if I hit level 60 before Burning Crusade comes out, I can run all the new level 60 to 70 dungeons with them. Nice. So for me, that's a bigger push because the game's a lot more fun when you're not just sitting by yourself leveling, you're doing things with friends. Mm. So my friends are going to help me level a little bit, and hopefully I'll actually get a character up to level 60 in time for Burning Crusade. Right on. So, uh, we still yeah. know when it comes out, though. It's in beta, but they haven't really said you know when it'll be live. Gotcha. When did when did so, Classic come out? It was like two About a year ago. Year? Was it two was years? Was it two years ago? I got to look it up now. Yeah, I was gonna it say, feels I like it was... it's been a while. Maybe like a year and a half. It's been August August 26, 
Whoa, yeah, so it's like, almost, almost two years. years. I feel like Crazy. it really has to be any day now. Soon yeah. enough. Soon enough. They just announced it at BlizzCon, so I assume it'll be a little bit longer. Pro- probably this summer, fall. I, I could see that. Yeah, so that's the only new thing. No, it's it's still a grind. It's the classic experience. So, mm. all right, and Andrew. Mean, yeah. What about you, yes. Andrew? Uh, let's see. I uh, I finished Resident Evil Seven. Yay! That's right. Nice, yep. nice. Um, I didn't remember that the that the mine area even existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think once you remove the mystery from that game, I just do not care about it. Like the the part in the house is so enthralling, right? Like you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then once they actually reveal it to you, you're like, ah, well, yeah, (laughs) it's okay then. (laughs) Um, but it's still it's still a fun time. Uh, it's just to to wet wet the tongue before Resident Evil Village comes out. Um, I did try Oddworld Soulstorm because it was a PlayStation Plus game. I see you already abandoned it. I the... played it for 30 minutes and then deleted it from my console. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it's Ouch. very clearly a sequel to whatever Oddworld game came before. I know nothing about that that universe uh, or its predecessors. Um, oh, so were you just missing something from playing it? or? Well, not only that, I was like, okay, I'll figure out the story stuff later, and so let me try the gameplay, and I just don't find the gameplay very fun. That might be my personal taste, uh, but it's yeah. like it's this weird 2D platformer puzzle game but Mm -hmm. it's like very uncooperative uh very you know obtuse uh i just it just wasn't very fun uh, yeah i mean that unfortunately comes down to it sometimes like games can be like story can be great but at a certain point if you're not enjoying the actual gameplay and then, you know, is it really worth playing for you? Yeah, I mean, and even even what they did show for the story didn't really get me either. Like, the main character is, uh, seemed to be revered by a lot of people, but from all accounts, he, uh, from, you know, from my point of view, he looked like a, like, just a, like, unlikable person. So I don't know. I don't really <laughs> understand that. And maybe that comes from the previous games. Maybe it, it's just new. I don't know. Um, but decided not to, uh, not to continue with it. It was free, so... Mm. Hey, you know, no loss on your end. Except in 30 minutes. Uh, and then the other game that I played this week, which I'm very excited about, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the GameCube. Oh, wow. Uh, that is a throwback. Adam, I remember. Yeah, Adam, you and I, oh. I believe, played a lot of it when we were kids. Wow, you just um, awakened so many childhood memories. Dude, playing it again is so surreal oh. because every <laughs> memory I have of that is purely nostalgia based. Uh, and it's it's a fun time. It's not a good video game, but it's fun. <laughs> you know, I'm playing with my roommate, uh, and it's like cutscenes are ripped straight from the 2000s Turtles show. Uh, they're the the characters, ha- you know, say the same three voice lines every time. Every time you use an attack, there's two attack buttons. Just like very, uh, it's it's a very bare bones game, uh, but it's it's been pretty fun. Um. I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny that we've been talking a lot about turtles, uh, and <laughs> my roommate happened to uh, obtain a copy. There you go. Wow, where'd you even where'd you even find a copy? Uh, I think someone he knew had one. Nice. But, but yeah, it's been fun. So, nice. Wow, yeah, that is. I have not thought about that game in years. But as some, it's one of my uh, one of my like bucket list goals is to like obtain and beat all of the games that i played as a kid like the bad 
like uh <laughs> tie-in ip tie-in games uh that i never beat um like i think there was a couple of nicktoons games and uh and stuff like that so that's the plan <laughs> sweet so that's it pretty much other than halo i was gonna say we all we played some halo so we yeah. we're gonna start the campaigns we ran into issues downloading issues yeah because uh, i can now say i am an official uh game pass subscriber i have obtained game pass after talking about how great it is for a year and a half yeah, <laughs> you, get it. you uh, finally subscribe so yeah. yeah we went to go play it took much longer to download for andrew and derek than we thought it was going to uh so yeah. we, we didn't know you can play cross play between pc and xbox in the campaign yeah so when we, after it finally downloaded they're like all right we'll do one or two missions it was pretty late uh and also derek had mentioned yeah. that you can only play two players in halo one campaign we didn't believe him but guess what it's true so we're like all right t oh, wow. and i want to play on legendary we'll play it together andrew and derek can play it together they want to play on normal uh and derek was playing on console and he could not play with andrew so we were just like oh what the fuck so we ended up just going and playing some custom games with a bunch of our friends who were already playing we had like what like 12 people playing yeah Halo it, was custom games. it was real fun that's like <laughs> my favorite memories of halo is just playing we always call them reindeer games yeah uh, i've so determined fun. like i think i can define even better you know what i like and dislike about playing halo and that is that the the rain the games that we played that didn't require me to shoot a weapon were really fun like <laughs> insanely fun you heard me giggling my ass off playing that yeah. fucking game where you it's like there's like an island and there's like 12 people standing on the island and the other three players have an assortment of vehicles with ramps and you have to try and knock them off of the platform with the vehicles that was so much fun and then we immediately switched to a game where it's like a 5v5 tactical protect the president mm -hmm. uh shooter game and when i played that i was like i have no fucking idea what's going on yeah people are shooting me before i'm even ah. seeing them See, I had so much fun playing that game mode, and I think that will come in time as you learn the weapons, as you learn the mechanics, yeah. and like you get a grasp of everything. I think you'll have more fun with that. But like, I, I was explaining to Andrew at work how I was like, "Oh yeah, I was charging the plasma pistol and deleting Tcon shield, and then instantly switching to the battle rifle and one-shotting him." In Halo Two, that was called the noob combo. I was like doing that to him and rubbing it in his face, and Andrew's <laughs> like, uh, "What? What are you talking about?" So. Like all I couldn't even figure stuff. out how to jump onto like a cinder block, Jeff. Like, yeah. So that stuff will come. You will enjoy those game modes more after you. Yeah. Play I hope so. My my immediate fear, and maybe and like this is maybe just because I haven't gotten used to them, like you said. But my immediate fear is that I just don't like Halo's mechanics mm -hmm. at all. Uh, but we'll see. It's they're floaty. That's like, yeah, yeah. It's all the, slow. The floaty. thing is too is like that map that we played that stupid game or that game mode on i guess i the game mode that, isn't stupid map is stupid that map was just a jank tower yeah that map was built based on the understanding that like you would know how like the physics of like the person who built that understood how the halo physics work and like how crouch jumping works and mm -hmm. like how like if there's what a the small crack here, crouch jumping yeah right exactly like there's there's little things like that like that aren't even present in the modern. I don't even think you can crouch jump in Halo Four or Five. Yeah, but no. in Halo Three, in Halo Two, in Halo, like to gain extra height, you would jump and then crouch, and you would 
gain like a sliver of height. Yeah, so you could like jump onto some platforms. It's basically like imagine jumping like hurdles, <laughs> and then you pull up your legs at the last second, like, and then stand up on the thing because you're a fucking superhuman. Yeah, uh, it was like a silly thing that was like it present in tons and tons of first person shooters back like in the early two thousands, late early late nineties. So yeah, like you wouldn't you wouldn't know. Like I learned that like online playing Halo Two custom games with people. Mm-hmm. I learned about stupid stuff like like sword canceling and. Like all the all the glitches that exist in Halo Two, and, and just uh, even on a more basic level, what the guns do. Yeah, what so the guns do. And what I'm hearing is that Halo is the Super Smash Bros. melee of first-person shooters. Yeah, there's a lot of all sweet right. tech in there, okay. especially in the first three games. Uh, so you have a lot to learn. But I think as you learn, my interest things, we'll enjoy it. based on that analysis, my interest level is raised a little bit. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So yeah, we will we will get back to like the Halo campaign soon. Probably in the next week, we'll finally actually start it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, I played a single game of Destruction All Stars. Nice, that's a oh, game. Yeah. I love it. I'll never it's play it again. Just, it's it's a it's well made for people who'd want to do like a a Rocket League that's about demolition derby instead of soccer. Um, okay, so for what it does, it does it well. Yeah, not for me, but. It is kind of uh, an, an interesting concept and well made. It's definitely very well made, but I'm never going to play it again. Uh, the reason I played it is because I was waiting for Persona 5 Strikers to install. <laughs> uh, and it was installing from a disc, so it wasn't using internet connection. Uh, so, yeah, I started Persona 5 Strikers. I only played for like two or so hours. Uh, it's it's cool. I think you said this, Andrew. It's cool to be back and like see yeah. all these characters. And it starts with like a... A welcome back party for Joker. Uh, I cheered up. I cheered up yeah, when that happened. It is really it's heartwarming and cool. Um everything just feels slightly off. Like the character voices feel slightly off. The I movement... did I did notice that. I thought the characters like the vo- they're still voiced well, but they're like slightly different. Some yeah, everything just slightly off from Persona Five. Um and then the combat right now, just in the very beginning, it definitely feels Muso. Uh and I think the more because right now I've only played as Joker, so I don't know when it gets to the point where you can play as other characters. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that will it'll feel more like I I hear it's more like a Kingdom Hearts game as you go forward. It's more of an action JRPG than a uh, Muso game. So I'm looking forward to getting more into that, and that's gonna be my like my main game for a bit for sure. Uh, but that's it for me, Derek. Quick question: Did you did you meet Zenkichi? Mm- is he the guy in the cutscenes in the start in like the police thing? Is he the police Maybe. guy? No, Probably. I haven't. I haven't like the characters have not met anyone by that name yet. All right, okay. <laughs> well, I'll come back to you when I do. <laughs> uh, all right, Derek, what do you got? Uh, so yeah, I mean, my my library is pretty low. I've been playing Outriders more. Um, <laughs> why haven't you said Jeff can play Outriders with me? <laughs> Because I'm playing during the day when you are working. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Just, hey, you never know, Derek. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been playing that more. And uh, I I love... I am, like, loving and hating it at the same time. And not, like, the hate, like, I hate the game. But, like, the hate that, like, when you're frustrated when you die kind of feeling. Because mm. I, I am forced... I'm, like, just playing on the highest tier available to me at all times and it provides pretty challenging gameplay like you have to execute each encounter like as efficiently and perfectly as you can um like if 
I don't activate my abilities at the right time and and like CC the right enemies, uh, like I'm gonna I'm gonna die. So it's 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 a fun balance. Uh, the encounters are basically seem to get to the point where it's like your encounter is gonna be like one of two things. It's either gonna be like a couple like heavy enemies and then a lot of just random enemies like basically fodder around and you just like use them to get to heal up while you're like trying to melt down the the heavier enemies or it's like a clusterfuck and they just send tons and tons of like melee enemies at you and you're so you're like trying to like all right like cc those enemies and get them away from you while also like handling like this maybe a sniper in the background it feels like each uh, one of the things i kind of like about this game is it feels like each encounter is designed like purposefully instead of just like here's some enemies deal with them it's like you know someone went in and was like all right i'm gonna put a sniper here so that like if they try to like the character you know the player tries to run this way they're gonna hit this sniper fire and then they're gonna have to like re you know it like i keep having to like think on my feet and i like that a lot about the game um yeah, I've, I finally feel like I'm getting far enough in the game where like I'm getting in, like a nice build going, and you know I understand what I'm doing. But it's fr- when I die, it's frustrating because sometimes the encounters are so long that it's like, oh, I, I did just did that for three minutes. Like it's three minutes of stressful, like running around, shooting, like uh, kiting enemies. Like there's you're just doing, you're thinking so much, you're doing so much, and then like one errant mistake, you die, and you're like, shit, I got to go back to the beginning of that encounter. But it's like, at the same time, it's like, all right, I got it this time. You know, like, this is easy. You know, I know what to do. So, yeah, it's fun. I, like, eventually got to a point where you unlock a little, a couple more, like, side mission stuff. And you get to go back to some previous areas and do that stuff. So I've been doing that stuff. The story's still bleh. <laughs> You're still skipping all the cutscenes? Yeah, I'm still skipping, skipping all the cutscenes. But I'm really enjoying the gameplay. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing more with you guys because I think... Playing with three people is where this game might really, really shine when you just mm-hmm. have everybody executing all these different abilities at the same time and like working together. Uh, it sounds like it'll be really satisfying. Just let me Can know. Can you do crossplay? Yes, yes. it get, does have crossplay. Did they yeah. get the PC to Xbox crossplay working yet? I know they were having issues with it. Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, I think so. Okay. Last I saw, but we'll. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, and then I've been playing. Uh, been finally getting into bravely default i've decided that i'm just gonna finish that and then go then play persona okay since this seems to be the one that i'm getting <laughs> uh so i'm gonna finish that i'm on i'm at wiswald nice wiswald's it's a pretty fun place there's like a, a magic school there yeah, that's like the yeah, whole i'm looking idea. forward that's pretty uh, wizard. to diving through i'm i'm working on uh leveling up my my jobs just kind of right now i'm just i was just kind of grinding for a little bit because i was like felt like i was a little under leveled mm-hmm. for like the next dungeon or whatever so i went and did some side quests and now i'm like all right now i can do a little grinding and xp up get my jobs up yeah see grinding yeah. isn't so bad because you can make the battles at four times speed and like right, you and can just, use some of those true. items to chain battles together use those like items uh the monster items yeah. It, it makes it really easy to to grind. I really want to get that what was that that class you t- the the giant shield one? Oh, uh, the shield master? Because I I'm I basically the one problem I'm having right now is my 
healer is getting all the aggro, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm wondering if maybe if I when I switch Adele over to a berserker, that maybe that will help. But I think right now uh, Gloria had. I don't know if it's because she's a bar. I made her a bard to get like the bard buffs mm-hmm. for right now, and I don't know if it's because she's a bard. Is that why? Like. So, so she has higher targetability, or you, there is a stat called chance of being targeted, and the higher that right. number is, the more likely it is they're going to be targeted. So I need to relook at that because yeah. I switched, I switched my main character from a vanguard to a thief because I had fully leveled the vanguard, and I think that lowered his chance of being targeted. Yeah, thieves so, are evasive. Vanguard has the one of the highest chances of being targeted. Also, their secondary ability makes it they do more damage the higher they what, are. Yeah. Uh, I had a van. I used a vanguard the entire game. Like I would have him learn. Uh, it was Seth for me. He would learn some new abilities, go back to being a vanguard, learn some new yeah. abilities on other jobs, go back to being. By the end of the game, he was like my main damage dealer. Him and Adele. Uh, yeah. But you're you're gonna get the shield master soon. Right. Yeah. So I'm figuring. Okay, I can pop that on Gloria, and she can just tank while healing whatever mm-hmm. and right i think there's like so there's a couple more classes that eventually get healing spells so it's you don't only have to have a white mage yep. there's like the spirit so. master and other versions of stuff like that so yeah you'll yeah. get there it's it's fun right you're it's yeah. you're figuring out it's clicking i now that yeah now that i'm getting the more jobs it's like okay now all these windows are opening and there's all these different things you can do and I, it definitely seems like it's like now they start just throwing them at you yeah you get them real fast yeah, I like that because it's like okay, what do I, you know? The only the only downside is like trying. I, you know, like obviously, unless you're like a masochist, you can't level them all to level twelve. You can. I mean, you could. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. There are there are some strategies for farming JP. Uh, if you ever want to look them up, you can get it done real quick. Yeah, I feel like eventually I probably I probably will. Yeah. Uh, sweet. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, I I definitely like hit a groove the other day and was like, all right, yeah, I've got this. I'm enjoying this game. Nice. The story is is like it's interesting, but also like I don't know, the characters yeah. are fun. I yeah. like all the characters, so that uh, helps. My review for the game should be up on the website right now. Go check it out, thegamesharks.com. Uh, yeah, and that was one of the big things I talked about was like the story's fine, but the characters are interesting and drive yeah. you forward because like they're all likable and they have an interesting dynamic between all four of them. Uh, cool. Anything else? No, I think that, I think that, that might be it. All right, sweet. Well then I think we're at a great spot to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about the greatest video games of the 1990s. Hey guys, Jeff here. We had a bit of a technical issue while recording this episode and all of Derek, Adam, and Andrew's audio wasn't recorded for the first little bit of us talking about the top games of the 90s. So I just wanted to give you a quick recap of what we talked about. The two runners up for 10th place were Metal Gear Solid and Sonic Adventure. Uh, both being at the top of Derek and Tcon's list, respectively. Derek was kind of upset that no one else had Metal Gear Solid on their list, making it so it didn't make our official top 10. And we all vehemently made fun of Tcon for having Sonic Adventure at the top of his list. 
Our number 10 game was Street Fighter 2, which was on myself, Andrew, and Jose's list, making our number 10 slot. We talked about how it's one of the greatest fighting games of all time and kind of transcends general media. Everyone in the 90s knew what Street Fighter was. They know who Ryu and Chun-Li were, and it was a big phenomenon. It took over the arcades. And our number 9 game was Sonic the Hedgehog, which is the second game on Tcon's list, and it was also part of Adam's list, pushing it into the number 9 slot. Uh, I talked a bit about how I'm not a big fan of the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. Derek and Andrew somewhat echoed that, but because Tcon and Adam liked that game, it made it as our number 9 on the list. Our number 8 is Super Mario 64, and you're going to hear Derek in the middle of our conversation coming in in just a second talking about that game. Sorry again for the technical issues, and enjoy the rest of the list. Like the first time last year when the Super Mario collection came out. And I definitely see and understand your criticisms uh, of it. Like, yeah, I don't, it, it doesn't control the greatest, but I still think that like, it is a really, really well-designed 3d platformer in like that full 3d space. And Mm -hmm. when you like consider it, when you, I don't know, when you look at all of the 3d Mario games, like, it still has some of its levels are iconic and like are some of the coolest levels in in Mario. Um, yeah, it, so I, like I think it definitely deserves to be on on a list, um, but it's a little flawed, I would say, yeah. in that it was it, it was the, it was the pioneer of its. You know, it was the first really big 3D platformer kind of, you know, detached camera. And because of that, there's some weird things in it. And, you know, it's like you got to it's you have to separate yourself. You've got to go. You got to tra- you have to physically go in a time machine to the 90s to play this game. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely it feels out of place now, but like like you're saying, the level design in this game is incredible. That is one thing I did appreciate it, about it a ton when I was playing it uh, through the 3D All Star Collection was that it's like each world is like a, its own cool little puzzle box, and there's so many different yeah. challenges that you can go in, and like uh, every time you go in to do a different star mission, it's slightly different, and some things are missing or there's some new stuff to it. Um, so I did appreciate that about the game a lot and it definitely like i said is w- one of the most influential games of all time for sure yeah yeah easily and like we can yeah a lot of it is like rose colored glasses like we can look on it very fondly and then kind of forget about some of its you know like oh by today's standards yeah it has all these flaws but you know in the moment this you know was like the best thing so mm. there's always that to remember when we're talking about a game that's you know 30 something years like 30 ish years old at this point or getting close to it I yeah. think so. Like by today's I, standards, a lot of old games do not hold up, but you can yeah. still remember them fondly. I know that was when making my list. How well it held up now it was a lot of uh, yeah. like was important in how I ranked these games. It pushed yeah, it down your list a bit. That's a big factor for me too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, then let's move on to our number seven. Also with 18 points. Uh, we actually had three games in a row that had 18 points. So it was a wow. lot of like <laughs> referencing to figure out wow. the correct order. Uh, 
But our number seven game on our list is Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night was my number four. It was Andrew's number four. It was Derek's. That was not my number four. It was my number seven. Oh, sorry. It was Derek's number four. It was my number four. It was yeah, Derek's number four. number four. It was Andrew's number seven. Uh, and I believe that was it. So, yeah, between the three of us, we got it up to our number seven uh, collective. Uh, I feel like we talked about this a lot recently when we did our Symphony of the Night episode about a year ago. Recently, a year recently, ago. Recently, a year ago. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, personally to me, it's it's the superior of the Super Metroid Symphony of the Night uh, combo. I love everything it's doing. Playing as Alucard feels so fucking cool and smooth. And like his, his moonwalk animation is sick. I love the finding of the weapons and leveling him up. Uh, which you don't get in Super Metroid and exploring the castle. So fun. And then you do the castle again with the upside down. Uh, the two Not endings. So fun. I thought it was fun. I thought it was such a fun, cool, unique, weird thing that like you find hints of throughout. I like, like the idea of it. If you're aware of like the fact that that's going to happen, going through the game the first time and seeing like looking at the ceiling and be like, Oh, this is so well designed. <laughs> you see, to- I, agree with that to a, to an extent but then once i uh, once the castle actually flips and you and you start playing that the beginning of that area is fucking brutal oh yeah cuz you're all the way at the top where it's like an opening well, yeah it's just the di- <laughs> like, like, like the difficulty space. spikes so hard when when you first start so it was pretty painful to mm. to play through the beginning of that um but it is it's still cool you know cuz at that point you know the layout of the castle so you're like okay i bet there's bosses here 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 and here uh, so then you're just, you know, going throughout the, the areas upside down until you find everything. Yeah. 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 I I agree with you, Jeff. I think it is, it, when you consider the two games, it is a superior uh, of the, the Vania influences in the end, even though it's not the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it it does the most of what I like now about metroidvanias so uh, hang on derek uh so you said it's the best castlevania to attribute to the metroidvanias no he's saying it's better than super metroid no you're saying it's better than super metroid no i'm i'm also saying it's better than super metroid okay that's yeah that's not how it sounded to me yeah i, I got sorry that. yeah never mind well when I, I basically was like which game which one of these am i putting on my list am i putting super metroid and or am i putting symphony of the night and i decided symphony of the night because i think it takes what super metroid has and brings it to a whole new level and i think it's the clear influence it's it's funny i think when we talked about these games before we were thinking we thought more of the metroid was you know, like the Metroid is the more clear and Castlevania just kind of added on for fun. But now that I think about it more, I feel like the Castlevania version of the Super of the Metroidvania is a little more of what I like as a game. I think it's a better explanation. So I think the thing that works best for me is think about Hollow Knight. You can picture the Hollow Knight map in your head. You can like go to the different areas. Like that map mm-hmm. is so cohesive and interesting. That is what the castle and Castlevania Symphony of the Night does. Like I know like the top left is those the the staircase to the cathedral and then in the center there's the Colosseum. Then you go down into the caverns and like I have that mm-hmm. ma- that mm-hmm. map is so well designed and sticks out in my head whereas with Super Metroid I can't 
as well place the different sections of the map in my head. It's not as memorable. You know, I think that's why it sticks out yeah, for me as better Metrovania. Because you go back through the castle and be like, oh, I know the exact point in this castle I need to go to to do this thing with this new power that I just got. Whereas I don't feel right. like that was as strong in Super Metroid. I, I feel that, and I feel like that translates to the games uh, if you want to like that build off the influence, especially in modern day, if you want to look at Hollow Knight versus something maybe like Axiom Verge. I, I, could, I remember I've played both games like thoroughly. I know, I like you're saying, I, I know that Hollow Knight map. I know kind of where everything fits. But Axiom Verge, if I were to play that now, I would have no idea where or what I'm what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that it's one's that Metroid style where I guess there's th- that replayability fact that maybe when you go back, you like I don't know if I went to play Super Metroid right now, I feel like I still wouldn't quite know where and what I was doing, despite the fact that you know we played the game a year ago, whereas Stuff like Hollow Knight, stuff like Cynthia and I, mm-hmm. I feel like I have a better understanding because, like you're saying, the, the it's more memorable. The areas are more well, like memorably designed, and and that makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you, and it it makes me happy to hear that you think that way. Yeah, Andrew, each case is unique. I definitely yeah. disagree, but that's an entire <laughs> other discussion. So I'll save it. <laughs> Yeah, that, that could be in a whole episode of its own. Metroid versus Castlevania. I mean, we've done episodes on both of them. I feel like we touched on it a lot in the Castlevania episode. Probably. Um, it was a while ago. But Andrew also didn't play through the game by, at that point, so maybe we could have a more interesting conversation about it now. I mean, I've played through them both now. It's true. All right. Let's talk about our number six, the the last game that had 18 points. That would be Pokemon Red and Blue. Pokemon Red and Blue had... Had five points, uh, or let's see, it was Derek's number six. It was Tcon's number six. It was Jose's number three, and it was Adam's number two. So okay. uh, that is why Pokemon Red and Blue had eighteen points. Let's talk about Pokemon Red and Blue. Probably the most important game for me of the '90s, I would say. Uh, the game I probably spent the most time with in the '90s. Uh, and yet it's on your list. What? It's not on my list. Hmm. Not mine. Interesting. Either. Uh, I, I put it on there because I also a, have a reason for that, to... and I bet you, Jeff, that they're the same reason. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm going. I know this reason because gold and silver are better. Spoilers. Anyways, <laughs> I'll never tell. Uh, so yeah, Pokemon Red and Blue. It's like one of the like earliest memories of game. like Pokemon Red and Blue is what separate like defined me as a gamer, and it's like. So, like, every game before that was games that I would play with my siblings or with my dad. Pokemon Red and Blue was the first time, like, I had my Game Boy. That was my game. My parents didn't know anything about it. My siblings didn't know anything about it. It was, like, my experience. And that's, like, like what got me into gaming uh, was Pokemon Red and Blue. And it's, like, those 150 Pokemon are just so memorable. I could still name them all, like, with ease. I can go Do through it. that game blindfolded. Electro, Diglett, Nidoran, make it. Entire poker app, I dare you. There was a time where I knew it. I know like the first two thirds of it now. Um, but like, I, I distinctly remember Jeff, you sending me a Snapchat and I of it up. you ranking, rank, uh, naming them all alongside the rap, and then you fucked up, and you're like, "Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, I don't know, like. Pokemon Red and Blue is like the one game that I I appreciate it down to its 
fucking code. If that makes any yeah. sense. Like I have dissected that game more than any other game. I know every nook and cranny of that game. I could play it blindfolded. Like, I don't know. It's just like, what is there to say? It's like the game I have it is like devoted the most of my life to. Yeah. 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 That's why it made my list. A, because going through the list, there's actually not a lot of 90s games that actually play it, it turns out. Weird surprise. Like, you know, not as many as you guys. So mm-hmm. I, so anywho, but yeah, it's, it's a freaking phenomenon. Like it's gotta be on the list somewhere, you know, like for the last 25 years, it's been, like just beyond video games in general, it's just become this cultural thing. Mm. So I think it just had to be on there for me. There was not a JRPG like its like its kind at the time. No. Exactly. It, yeah, it, it was, was definitely... a much. It was a far easily more easily accessible JRPG because a lot you know around the same time, Pokemon Red and Blue came out what ninety six. Ninety seven in Japan, ninety six. No, ninety six in Japan, ninety seven in the US, I believe. Yeah. So like at the time, all you had for JRPGs are you know, the Final Fantasies and whatever other classical JRPGs are coming out. Yeah, Dragon Quest. And then maybe some early PS1 stuff like uh, Legend of Dragoon. I don't know how late that was. That was late. Um, that was like 99, I want to say. Yeah, so, you know, that stuff is great for people who are already fans of it, but it's really hard genre to get into. So Pokemon was a really great uh, way to break that barrier. Um, and so it, it was great for that. Plus, the Pokemon themselves are all super likable, especially the first 150. Mm. Naturally, you can't beat that original trio for starters. Like, just so iconic. And Pikachu, and the, Pikachu, the unsung mascot, or I guess at this point sung, but it very, very sung. At the time, they did sung. not expect Pikachu to become the mascot of the show or, yeah. or the games. It just kind of happened. There was a time where Clefairy was going to be like the main mascot uh, in the yep. manga. Poliwhirl is like the main character's like go-to Pokemon. So yeah, it speaks to the strength of the designs of those Pokemon because I believe a world where any of them are the mascot, right? For sure. I think that they even said like everybody has their favorite Pokemon. Like every Pokemon can be considered someone's favorite. Yeah, yeah, right. for sure. Um, I think the the easy thing to do now is just go into what our number five is with nineteen points. Is Pokemon <laughs> Gold and Silver? <laughs> they beat it by one point. Yeah. One. Uh, so Andrew, wait, wait, I thought it came out in two thousand. So, no, yeah, no. I didn't put it on my list because I thought it came out in 2000. Yeah, that's why I went in Japan. In America. No. Well, you yeah, did, this, we with, going by you did this Super Mario 3. Super Mario 3 came out in 89 in Japan. Yeah, I, but... I just didn't look it up. I just immediately assumed uh, it was no. America. I, yeah, that's okay, why. Real. Okay. Right. Yeah. I literally okay, so told for, you to go year uh, by year. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for full clarity's sake. Originally, I had gold and silver as two, and red and blue as three. Mm-hmm. But I removed it because I saw it was ninety nine in Japan. I thought we were going by American dates. Nope, it is when the oh. game. Well, released. darn. So, so it was. Well, I my, agree with you on this. So. It was my number five. It was Andrew's number four. It was Tcon's number uh, five. Uh, yeah. So it was high. So basically, red and blue was. Uh, you two, Jose and Tcon, and then Gold and Silver was myself, Andrew, and Tcon. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I feel comfortable with both of them on the list mm. because they both do really good things. Yeah, and they were both super like influential. I feel like. But... So 
I mean, we talked about it in our sequel episode. I think uh, Gold and Silver might be like the greatest sequel to a video game of all time based on improvement of mechanics and Mm. like world building and uh, like continuation of a story, but in a subtle, interesting way. And and iteration on existing mechanics and design and like ideas. Like the the next hundred designs are all also great, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I don't think there's a bad Pokemon in the first two generations. Whereas, like, you get into Generation Three, and there's starts to be some questionable ones. Jinx, Jinx is great, man. <laughs> terrifying, on, terrifying kids since '96. Um, so yeah, uh, it's just like it took what Pokemon Red and Blue did and perfected it. Like, I don't think there's been as cohesive and like perfect of a Pokemon game since Gold and Silver. I think every other Pokemon game has like some slight flaws in it. I don't think there are any flaws in Pokemon Gold and Silver. I think Black and White is underrated, but yeah, I don't. Gold I don't disagree with you. I th- Black and White is like one of I think the best standalone generations by far. Uh, mm-hmm. But just because it, Gold and Silver is that continuation of Red and Blue in such a unique and interesting, well done right. way. Yeah, it's um, the, the it's the one sequel. Yeah. Well, it, not when you count Black and White too, but uh... also great. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, all the same things about Pokemon that we said about Pokemon Red and Blue, but just like more and better. Yeah, yeah. they added two new types. Mm-hmm. They added breeding. Like... They added shinies. They added so much. Yeah, like so many of the core staples of the Pokemon games mm-hmm. came out first in Gold and Silver. Yeah, and there's so... also a lot of unique things about it, like uh, smelting Pokemon balls. With yeah, the that was one of my favorite Apricots. features. Apricots. Apricots. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that was one of Apri- the cool Apricorns, people. Jeff. Sorry, Apricorns, yeah. It also had some sweet glitches <laughs> where you could like duplicate Pokemon. Yeah, the, the PC glitch. That's yeah. right. That wasn't in Red and Blue, right? It was. It was only no. afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I love Pokemon Gold and Silver. Writing this list, I was like, do I want to go back and like casually play Pokemon Gold and Silver? Uh, maybe I will do that at some point. <laughs> All right, number four. Everybody, praise Jose. Final Fantasy VII, with uh, also with 19 points, but because it was my number one and Jose's number two, I saw that coming. Took, um, uh, Pokemon. So yeah, I I had gotten Derek, Andrew, and Tcon's list with no <laughs> no sign of Final Fantasy VII. And I was like, these motherfuckers are gonna. I'm gonna kill all of them. <laughs> And then Jose sent in the list. Final Fantasy VII, number two game. I was like, oh, I I love Jose so much. (laughs) Fucking shout out to Jose. Uh, Yeah. So Final Fantasy VII is our our number four game. Uh, This is my favorite game of all time. It's it's like what solidified. Like Pokemon introduced me to JRPGs, but Final Fantasy VII made me fall in love with JRPGs. I think it's such a a cool, weird story. The characters are all lovable and great. Uh, the material system is still to this day one of the most in depth, um, like not job, but like uh, equipment equipment systems, systems in JRPGs. I love that world, uh, the world of Gaia. Uh, is that what yeah. it's called? Yeah, yeah. Ga- Gaia is the world in Final Fantasy VII, and yeah, I don't know. It's just like. Uh, a lot of like my, I don't want to say development as a human, but a lot of my interests and in, like like the things I like are because of Final Fantasy VII. So like, I don't know, like video games, like video women. games 
and you yeah. search for the for the my, meteor materia. My wife kind of looks like Tifa, so you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Anywho, anywho, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to say about Final Fantasy VII. I know Andrew, you like all of a sudden, like in the last couple months, you've had a, a switch flip where you're like super anti Final Fantasy VII. I'm not anti Final Fantasy VII. I just don't like. You, I'm not. You said to me the other day, it's a bad game. Did I? Yes. Uh, I forgot what we were talking about. I was like, I oh, it's not on any- No, I was like, oh, it's not on anyone's list. And you're like, well, that's because it's a bad game. That was a joke, Jeff. Come on. Too close. Oh, I haven't finished yet, so I, I can't tell yeah. you. Yeah. No, true. I don't think I don't think it's a bad video game by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I just it's just not for me. I just don't think that it was doing anything special over something like Final Fantasy VI, which also came out this decade. Um, that's true. And, you know, I, having played it recently, I, you know, like I said earlier, a big thing for me is how well does it hold up? And I think that, you know, it was the the first entry for PlayStation and, and for the Final Fantasy into the 3D space. And I think they handled it kind of, uh, at least by today's standards, it feels sloppy. But by then, I'm, I like, admit, like, yeah, it was probably the pinnacle, right? Yeah, um, they promoted this game. This is, like, the first blockbuster video game. Yeah. Uh, and it, it like... It it came through on that back in in the nineties. It was like there were ads for it in spaces you wouldn't expect to see ads for video games in front of like late night shows and stuff like that. It was huge. Uh, they made yeah. a big deal about it. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah. All, and all of that is great for its time, but you know, based on my current knowledge of it, my current experience with it, I just couldn't I couldn't justify putting it on my list. So we should do a but, Final Fantasy VII playthrough at lunch. <laughs> We should play through all the Final Fantasy. I'll show Jeff. you the way one day. I'd um, love to. I, I, Jeff, I would love for you to guru me through all of the JRPGs that I cannot get my head around. <laughs> well, we like we, we, I want, I want to make this a thing. We got to start with Final Fantasy VII. Okay, cool. We're doing it. Sure. Uh, uh, all right. Let's move on to our number three. Number three with twenty-one points. The Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. Okay. Oh, Link to the Past is on. Link to the Past is my number six. It was Derek's number five. It was Andrew's number one. And that is it. Um, yeah. Link to the Past is... the. It's one of the best Zelda games. I think it's like one, in the top three easily. I think it's in contention yeah. for the best video game of all time. I wow. There are people who definitely would make that argument. Um, it's, it's so... Like... It's such a... It, it takes... Even before Breath of the Wild, it took the idea of the original Legend of Zelda and turned it to 11, right? And it's mm-hmm. the world is designed so well. And then you have the Dark World on top of it, which adds an entire other layer of world and puzzle design. And the way the, the fact that you can essentially tackle any of the Dark World dungeons in any order, uh, probably with some exceptions, it's been a while, um, is it, pretty outstanding especially for the 90s, right? And a lot of the items in that game are... Some of them are pretty unique and, and like, you never use them, but some of them, you know, became iconic Zelda weapons, like the hookshot, like the hammer even, right? And it's, like, it was the first Zelda game to really... to take the story and make it worth it. Um, mm-hmm. And the gameplay is always super solid. The music is iconic. Uh, it's... It's an inc- it's incredible. Yeah, it's it just, a very cohesive experience. Yeah, Absolutely. and it holds it's, up so well today too. Yeah. I think that's, that's like, yeah. a, like 
we're 50 50 on games holding up on this list like i i would argue that sonic the hedgehog doesn't hold up and super mario 64 doesn't hold up super well and andrew you don't think final fantasy 7 holds up super well but like i think we could all agree link to the past is a very playable game in mm-hmm. 2021 agreed yeah i uh, would argue it's more playable than ocarina of time i fully I, agree 100%. I, I i do not disagree with you uh, <laughs> that's not that is not a hot take whatsoever, Derek. That is just a fact. Yeah, uh, it's so much easier to like go back to the Super Nintendo games, I think, than a lot of the N sixty four games, just because of the the pixel art. The yeah, the, yeah. yeah. it's like we've bit. said before the the transition from to from two D to three D for video games was an important step. However, that is very much a step in the ladder of video games. You know, we're not they haven't they weren't at the top, but they were getting there. It was just a, it was it was a uh, step in the process yep <laughs> anyone else got anything they want to say nope okay then let's talk about <laughs> sure. num- number two uh super metroid Ooh, wow S- super good, metroid good, got good. 26 points it was my number eight it was not on Derek's list it was andrew's number two it was, I don't think it was on Tcon's list. It wasn't on Jose's list. And it was Adam's number four. So being so high on Andrew's list is kind of what pushed it really high up on ours. Um, and being decently high on mine and Adam's. Or decently high on Adam's and, and middle of mine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we talked about it a bit already when we were talking about Castlevania. Derek and I, um, obviously. And I think it's funny that we're split. Where Derek and I are on the Castlevania side, and Andrew and Adam, you both are on the Super Metroid side more so. So, I don't know yeah, if you guys want to talk about it a bit. Yeah, it's funny. Well, see, when I told you that that was the discussion for another time, I didn't expect it to be later this episode. <laughs> uh, I, the way the way that you guys were talking about Symphony of the Night made it seem to me like Super Metroid wasn't going to appear on on our list. So this is honestly a nice surprise for me. But I I do think I think Metroid Super Metroid's world design is impeccable. Yeah, um, agreed. I think it's it's so unique and that the world teaches you what you need to do and teaches you how uh, to use your powers even before even without the game telling you you have those powers right the way that it teaches you how to use the shine spark is pretty ingenious um and it was one of the first games to fully embrace this level of of uh teaching and, and you know the tutorials uh, I guess you know without having an explicit tutorial section uh and to the to your point earlier I think that I uh, on maybe an equal level, like the only reason I know Castlevania's map any bit better is because I've played it more recently and because they do force you to go through the castle twice, right? Um, but I think that if I were to pick up Super Metroid tomorrow, I would, I would, I would get it, right? Um, and it's just like the shooting mechanics are really solid. I think, I think that the really the only thing I can knack it about is that the there's a steep learning curve, mm. um, mm-hmm. but I just think that the world designs super good the the progression is amazing and you can get you can gate the game however you want it to be right you can turn off powers if you want um so yeah i just think it's it's super 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 great holds up really well i think my issues with it compared to symphony of the night is i felt like it didn't control as well i felt like uh i we had issues with like the the bouncing off walls mechanic uh yeah. that that super jump mechanic i think is an example where i th- agree with you where like it does a really good job of teaching you how to use your abilities with the exception of the super jump where you like you watch the bird do it i i don't know if you guys caught instantly like oh i need to mimic this bird i did not catch on to that whatsoever 
I think I mean, but uh, but the area is designed for it to teach you. So even if it takes you a second, you still will figure it out. And that's the point: is that any it's so explicitly designed. You have the long hallway and then mm. the long vertical, and you watch the bird sprint to the end of the hallway, crouch, and then jump. And so you you know by trial and error, you have to figure out that that's yeah. what you have to do. I don't know if I'm an idiot, but I didn't. I tried for like a half hour and didn't figure it out, and I had to look it really? up. Really? Yeah, I did not figure that out on my own. I um, also got. Uh, stuck and had to figure out exactly what like the button presses were to do that and here's um, the thing in the 90s you couldn't look it up so this is what yeah. no, people had to the, do it that is not true there would have been an instruction manual in the box with how to do every single technique in the game well you couldn't google it was, no so but technically you... i am still correct no, you said you couldn't look it up. But you... <laughs> Anyways. Um, look it I, up and Google are synonymous. I think, I think the sprite work in this game is incredible. And uh, yeah, probably it still a bit looks better gorgeous. than Castlevania. Yeah, uh, I really like, love the color palette. Yeah, the color palette's great. The, the theme of isolation, I think they do super well in this game. Uh, it does have a lot nails of really that. incredible things. Um, I, I, think just, it nails, I think it nails its atmosphere much more than Castlevania. I think they're pretty equal. Like The, the theme of isolation, uh, it works super well in... And here's the thing with this whole list, even, is that all of these games are fucking incredible. Yeah, exactly. It was so... Even, I think, the the next... You could present the, like, our 11 to 20 as our top 10, and it would be believable, right? Like, this is so hard. If we just take Sonic the Hedgehog off and bump up Metal Gear Solid, (laughs) we'd have a pretty incredible list here. And maybe remove one of the Pokemon games. I agree with that. Okay, so here we are. Our number one game... Uh, I think we I all genuinely know... have no idea what it's going to be. It's the only game that was on every single one of our lists. Oh, uh, really? Yep. And I think it is probably like the most well-known game of the 90s, and that is Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. There it is. Uh, Saw that one coming. Um, Damn yeah. it. Uh, so <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Uh, it was Adam's number one. It was Jose's number one. Uh, yeah, that's and, and how many how many points total did it get? It got forty three, and Super Metroid got twenty six. Wow! Hot damn. So being Adam and Jose's number one, it really it like ascended it. That already put it at at least number three. And then it was T-Con's number four. It was Andrew's number six. six. It was Derek's number eight. Eight. And it, it was my number three. It was almost not on my list. Yeah. Um, mm. But so, like, like I said, Ocarina of Time. I have vivid memories of me trying to explain this game to my mom as a seven-year-old to like take me to Funko Land to buy a used copy of it. <laughs> um, uh, it's just like, yeah, I feel like this was the game on the N sixty-four. Obviously, Super Mario sixty-four happened, but like Ocarina of the Time, that was like a big turning point for video games. It was like the first successful 3d adventure game and it took that magic of the original legend of zelda and link to the past and like put it in the 3d space and and, like it's still pretty playable today i think it's more playable than mario 64 obviously not not as playable as any of the super nintendo games i think but um yeah i don't know man it's it's ocarina of time yeah it introduces e-targeting yeah, like yeah, that's a big thing. Pretty incredible mechanic for the future of 3D games. Yeah, it's a staple. Like between that and like the camera in uh, Super Mario 64, Nintendo was teaching everyone else how to make 3D games. Hey, this is how you do it. Make this better. Go. Um, but yeah, this I don't know. 
going through I, an iconic adventure game. You know, it's set up like it just nailed the whole like, you know, you're the good guy. There's this big bad guy. And you, know, you have the time travel mechanics. It just it just feels like an adventure game. It just does that vibe correctly. That moment where Link pulls the sword out and like travels seven years into the future or is like frozen in time for seven years. And like you walk out and every like uh, Hyrule Town is uh like zombified yeah it's destroyed there's zombies everywhere you see mount uh i almost said mount doom uh what's the mountain Mountain. death you see mount death mountain in the distance and it's like erupted and there's that like cloud and of like the ring of smoke around it and just everything is like has gone to shit that that moment for me as a kid was like super impactful i still remember being like yeah and even it's like one of the earlier games where you can see like a world that like like has changes in it like you can go back to it at different times and like things are changing. You know, a lot of games didn't have that. It's yeah. like this is it's always gonna be like this. So that was just by itself a really cool feature. Mm. And having to go back and forth to solve some of the puzzles in that game was also really cool. Yeah, it was like, like another uh, iteration of the of the light dark world, but taken with another spin with time travel, which yeah, is really cool. Right, right. And the, yeah, like the... how you could not get into the spirit temple until you went back as young to go in there first to unlock one right. of the yeah, or some you know limiting equipment to to child and and adult is kind of like a yeah. cool. It was it's like like Link to the Past. It is a, an extremely well designed game. Mm. However, right. I think I yeah. think the reason that Link to the Past is so much better in my opinion is because of its longevity, uh, you know, through its medium at the time. Because like we said, this is still a very much a stepping stone game, and while it did masterfully bring zelda and video games in general from 2d to 3d it's by today's standards feels clunky yeah i like link to the past i think is definitely the better game hands down no question i think ocarina of time is the more influential game and more important game of the 90s and i think that's why it was more important 110 percent. yeah and i think that's i'm assuming that's why jose had it so high on his list uh he Jose didn't have Link to the Past on his list, so maybe he's just never played Link to the Past. Maybe, um, maybe that's not it's, an important it's, game to him. I would love to. Yeah, it's fun because we can all use whatever metrics we want to determine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, yeah, uh, it being the only game on all of our lists is like a is a determining factor of like, yeah, it was such an important game yeah. as well as being a good game. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. I think <laughs> maybe more so than any other game, this game has been dissected to death. Uh, but I have I have a video I'm going to link you guys, uh, and I want everyone to watch it, including anyone listening. It's called Ocarina of Time, a Masterclass in Subtext. It is the best video on YouTube. All right. I will, I'll make sure I watch it later on. Um, the, the channel who does it, Good Blood, also recently released a video on God of War. Uh, so feel free to check that, that out. It is of comparable quality. Excellent. Um, so yeah, that is our top 10 list. I guess uh, at this point we can go through, uh, do everyone's top 10s. My favorite. Uh, me. Here's my list. I had Final Fantasy 7 as my number one. Final Fantasy Tactics was my number two, which I knew none of you were going to have on your list because none of you have played them. Uh, and that's just, I knew that's what it was, but I had to do it. Ocarina of Time was three. Symphony of the Night four. Pokemon Gold and Silver was five. Link to the Past six. Super Mario World did not show up on this list which surprised me um i've never played super mario world and i so that was a big a big thing really for me derek what happened like i said this is so hard (laughs) yeah i'm surprised it wasn't on your list derek uh because i put super mario world 2 
which is a superior game. Yoshi's Advance. Uh, that's, that's a good point. Um, Yoshi's, Yoshi's Island. Yoshi's Island. Uh, my number eight was Super Metroid. My number nine was Street Fighter 2. And my number 10 was Mega Man X, which um, I think the Mega Man X games are even better than the Mega Man games, personally. However, uh, I I think the Mega Man, Mega Man 2 is like the bigger, more important game. And that's why I think it showed up on more lists than uh in our 80s than Mega Man X Plus if here. you look at the if you look at the pool you're drawing from from the 80s and 90s it's I had Mega Man 3 like for a while mm-hmm. it, like as a game I was considering but after the the list just kept piling up I was like there's no way this goes on here. Yeah. Uh Derek's list. Metal Gear Solid was his number 1 followed by Half-Life, Mario Kart 64, Symphony of the Night, Link to the Past, Pokémon Red and Blue, Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island and Earthbound. Oh, thank you, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> I was Earth- wondering if anyone else was going to have Earthbound. I was going to do more lists. That's what I thought, too. Earthbound was one off from uh, being in that tie for yeah. for 10th. Uh, yeah. Andrew's if list. Only, if only I had voted with my heart instead of my brain. <laughs> if you put Earthbound as your number one, it would have been. In the I know. Game. But I, but I, I, while, as much as I love Earthbound, I think Super Metroid and Link to the Past are better video games. Andrew's list, Link to the Past, number one. Super Metroid, Earthbound, Pokemon Gold and Silver, Mario Party 2, Ocarina of Time, Symphony of the Night, Dance Dance Revolution. Let's go! Chrono Trigger <laughs> and Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. You want to talk about games that hold up. Dance Dance Revolution is timeless. <laughs> That's Fair. true. I will give you You're that. not wrong. Uh, Tcon's list. Sonic Adventure was his number one. Which oh man! I wonder what his number one is going to be in the two thousands. Oh uh, no! Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. Oh <laughs> or, man! Or Halo Three. I oh don't no! Know it's which, yeah. It's going to be Halo Three. Uh, <laughs> if, if a Call of Duty makes our list, I will quit the podcast. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was his number two. Super Mario sixty four, Ocarina of Time, Pokemon Gold and Silver, Pokemon Red and Blue, Super Mario Kart. Uh, Jurassic Park, Medal of Honor, and Crazy Taxi. This got a little bit weird at the end there. Yeah, okay. Um, right. He just said Mario Kart to me at first, and I was like, oh, you're talking about Mario Kart 64, right? Because if it was Mario Kart 64, that would have been on the list, too, because Derek wow. Mario Kart 64. Damn it! And he's like, no, I, d- I, I never played that one. I played the Super Nintendo one, so... Uh, Jose's list, Ocarina of Time as his number one, Final Fantasy 7, Pokemon Red and Blue, Street Fighter 2, Super Mario 64, Super Mario World, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Resident Evil 2, Chrono Trigger, and Doom. So, I've stated before, but Jose has the best taste out of all of us. Yeah, Jose has, like, the most cultured list for sure. Um, Fair enough. And then Adam's list, Ocarina of Time was his number one, followed by Pokemon Red and Blue. Pokemon Stadium, Super Metroid, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon, Super Smash Brothers, Sonic the Hedgehog, Pokemon Snap, and Star Fox 64. Hey, I like what I like. Yeah, that is true. Um, no judgment. So I'll read through Unless it one last Sonic time. On your list. One last time. Here is the Game Sharks top 10 games of the 90s. Number one, <laughs> The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Number two, Super Metroid. Number three, the Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. Number four, Final Fantasy VII. Number five, Pokemon Gold and Silver. Number six, Pokemon Red and Blue. Number seven, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Number eight, Super Mario 64. Number nine, Sonic the Hedgehog. And number 10, Street Fighter Two, And number 11, Middle Gear Solid. <laughs> there you go, Derek. 
Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, Can you make Half-Life number 12? And, and number 12 Earthbound. <laughs> no, Sonic Adventures number 12. I'm sorry. There's number nothing do about 12 it. Earthbound. Uh, uh, number Earthbound appeared uh, on more people's lists, Jeff. Yeah, but it got less points. It, got less <laughs> it points. only got nine. Uh, all right. Picks, Pixar didn't happen. Let's wrap this up with some 90s video game trivia. Let's go. Let's go indeed. All right, boys. Uh, I think this is a pretty decent one. I think you, you're all going to score pretty highly. Um, Only 90s kids remember, Jeff. Derek, Can't wait to get all of these wrong. Derek might have the slight advantage being a child of the 90s more so than Adam and Andrew. Question number one. Which console sold more units? The Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo Entertainment System? Which one sold more units in its lifetime? Mm. <laughs> Adam. Got a 50-50 here. You got a 50-50 here, Adam. You're going to go first. What sold more, the Sega Genesis or the Super Nintendo? Oh, I feel like this is a trick question, but I'm still going to bet on the Super Nintendo. Okay. Derek? Super Nintendo. Andrew? Super Nintendo. It was the Super Nintendo. Okay. I was going to say. It sold. It was uh, Sega, I was going to be really upset. It sold almost double the units of the Genesis. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. Question number two How many characters are in Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64? How many playable characters are in Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 64? Adam, you're still counting on your fingers. I'm going to let you go until you're done counting. Andrew, I'm pretty sure, knows it. Um, okay, I've got a number in my head. I might be off, but... Okay, Derek, you're going to go first here, bud. 12? Adam? So I was going to guess 16. Andrew? 12. It is 12. My overshot. You have Mario, Pikachu, Donkey Kong, Fox, Kirby, Captain Falcon, Luigi, Jigglypuff, Yoshi, Samus, yes. Ness. Was that the last one? Yeah. Is there 16 in Melee? There's, There's 25 20... in Melee. Yeah. 25 in Melee. Okay. Hey. That's counting Sheik and Zelda as separate characters, though, right? So 24. It's either 25 or 26. Um. All right. Question number three. How many AA batteries do you need for a Game Gear? A what? Uh, is Andrew going to get a Game Gear, or is he just walking away from this question? <laughs> or is he no, going I'm to walking get walking away of... from the question? I don't know, fucking any <laughs> what? Have any of you even touched a Game what Gear? What the fuck before? is a I Game Gear? I don't know what that is. Game Gear is Sega's handheld uh, oh, yeah. uh, like competitor to the Game Boy. What? I've got an advantage then. Yeah, yeah, you have a fucking advantage. Uh, all right. Uh, Mr. Can I look up a picture of one? Not until after. Six. Uh, all right. Dara, uh, that Adam? Was, that was going to be my guess, too. Six. Derek? Eight. <laughs> it's actually six. Oh. Let's fucking go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is six. Uh... <laughs> I put six, and I was like, no, it's eight. It's, it was four by four. No, it's six. Damn. Uh, uh, Derek, have you ever held a Game Gear before? Oh my god! Uh, no, but I've I've obviously seen like several pictures. Oh yeah, my god! I, I had uh, one time in uh, an elective class in high school, some kid brought in a Game Gear, and I was like, "What the fuck is that thing?" <laughs> he was playing Sonic the Hedgehog, and his batteries died in like two hours. It's a Game Gear. <laughs> I can't believe that just happened. All right, uh, question, that's my new favorite podcast moment. 
Question number four. Which 007 GoldenEye character was often banned in friend groups for having a significantly smaller character model? So this is like uh, going back to the old days of four-player couch co-op N64. There was a specific character in GoldenEye who was significantly smaller than everyone else. So when you were aiming, you wouldn't even be aiming at their head. They would be below your cursor. Uh, unfair advantage. Who is that character, Adam? I, I only... James Bond character I know is James Bond, so... Derek? Odd job. Andrew? Odd job. It is odd job. Never would have gotten that. All right. The score... Also acceptable was Danny DeVito. The score is two for Adam, three for Derek, four for Andrew. We're going into the last question. Shit. <laughs> Number five. What was? Let's the... see if this plays out like that disc golf round, Derek. <laughs> You can't lose points here. Uh, <laughs> oh. Question number five. What was the top, like the top selling game for the Sony PlayStation? Ooh. Ooh. The number one selling game in the entire lifespan of the Sony PlayStation. Ooh. I'll give you all a second to think about it. Just one? Just one. What was the top game? Adam, you're gonna go first here, but unfortunately, your answer doesn't matter. But yeah, you can, you can still you can still flex on him. Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Derek, you're behind, so you're next. Resident Evil Two. Andrew, I was gonna guess Final Fantasy VII. It is Gran Turismo. Oh, okay. with, with 10.8 million copies. So no one gets oh, that right. Um. I don't remember. Let me look. Top selling PS1 games. But, 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 but. I think Final Fantasy 7 was like third on the really? list. Really? Uh, nope. Final Fantasy 7 was number two. Oh, wow. Oh, uh, wow. I was close. Just, just oh, over yeah, 10 million. Close enough. And then Gran Turismo 2, Final Fantasy 8, and Tekken 3. And the number six is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. Top 10 game of the 90s. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, all right. Congratulations, Andrew. Tiebreaker question for fun. Heracross is my favorite Gen 2 Pokemon. What's his Pokedex number? 3,000. <laughs> you you would have absolutely lost the tiebreaker. Say like three, four. He's my favorite Gen 2 Pokemon. I, I know. He's, like, he, he's like 203. Adam, 100, guess? 186. 212. Ooh, he's two fourteen. That was really close. Oh. So I was gonna say Scissor originally. I was like, no, I like Heracross more than Scissor. Scissor is two twelve. So what? what the fuck? Adam? Adam knows his Pokedex. Like he knows uh, that was a complete guess. I know some Don't of them. Go back to the first ever. Yeah, the Scyther episode, dude. Imagine if I had chose Scissor and you said two twelve. I would have. Oh lost my god, because you would have gotten Scyther and Scissor right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but all right. still, that I got that I got within two was really impressive. I was gonna give myself that. That was just pretty good. There's uh, one thing Adam, Adam knows: it's Pokemon. All right, that enough, brings yeah. us to the end of this episode of the Game Sharks podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can watch us live on Twitch Thursdays nights, starting usually around 6 p.m. Eastern time. You can usually. find our, our Twitch stream at game sharks podcast you can send us an email at game sharks podcast at yahoo.com tell us your favorite games of the 90s send us any questions that you want us to discuss send us any trivia that you have for the boys next week it's going to be about 2000s games so if you have any 2000s games trivia send it our way 
And then you can find our website, thegamesharks.com. You can check out my review for Bravely Default 2 that just went up today. Uh, go see what I thought about it. I talked about it a bunch on the podcast, but I gave it a rating. And I go really in-depth about what I liked or didn't like about that game. So go check that out on thegamesharks.com. But gentlemen, with that, we are finished.